Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history behind it. I'm Jem Daduchu, and this time round, I'm talking about Avatar, the Way of Water. The movie that came out at the end of 2022, but was still doing pretty big business in 23, and... You've probably heard of it. Indeed, you might have even seen it. So, this is going to take us back about 500 years, but it's going to concentrate very much on the last 40 years and the life and career of one James Cameron. And so, I love this one because this is an example of one. You know, I talk about things I really enjoy, I really admire, and this is one where I really enjoy and I really admire most of what James Cameron's done, but there's no doubt that Avatar Way of Water is the best and worst of James Cameron. But also at the same time, I'm going to be defending him because there's a really weird pattern that has been going around this director for 30 years, and A, nobody seems to have spotted it. You've seen things that weren't to be seen. Care and discretion are now imperative. And B, if they had, then basically, basically people are picking on him. Why is everybody always picking on me? So, hope you enjoy this. Hope this sort of has caught your attention, if you like. Right, for the uninitiated, out in 2009, there was a movie called Avatar. You really should have heard of this one because it's the, excluding inflation, single biggest grossing movie of all time, directed by James Cameron. Now, because this was a sci-fi epic, a lot more about it in a minute, there was obviously potential for more stuff to come out of it. Indeed, a lot of Cameron's stuff has led to further sequels. He created Terminator, and there's been a lot of Terminator sequels. I'll be back. I know. He didn't create Alien, but he did do Aliens, and there's been lots of Alien movies after that. And whereas with Titanic, you've only got one Titanic, really, there were discussions of ways to try and create a sequel to Titanic as well. Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the Titanic. Jack, I'm engaged. I'm marrying Cal. Why 
Why, why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Ah. This is more serious than I thought. Apparently your mother is amorously infatuated with you instead of your father. I want you to draw me like one of your French girls. From this moment, no matter what we do, Titanic will founder. Of course, the enchantment under the sea dance. They're supposed to go to this. That's where they kiss for the first time. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Are you ready to go back to Titanic? So the man makes money, the man can create cinematic universes of his own, and so when it is the single biggest grossing movie ever, you're gonna want a sequel. But what's interesting is, as I said, it came out in 2009, and clearly there were discussions in 2010 about, hey, we should make more of these, and yet the next sequel came out more than a decade later, 13 years later, and that was never the plan, which is why this is a really interesting look at a really revolutionary filmmaker. But, in terms of Avatar, the overall story of Avatar, yes, Way of Water's in there as well. Basically, we're in the far future, there is this massive gas giant out in a different solar system, and orbiting it is a moon called Pandora, and this moon has various things on it, human beings want and in the first one we see basically the humans have landed on pandora a lush verdant virgin forest kind of environment inhabited with lots of weird aliens and stuff like that and basically the reason why it's called avatar is the humans have created the the main species these sort of big blue humanoid cat-like things called the Na'vi. Turns out Na'vi is actually just the name of their tribe. There's other versions of the Na'vi, and as you see in the Way of Water, I cannot be bothered to remember all of these people's names. So, <laughs> the point is, these big blue kind of cat-like creatures are pretty aggressive against the invading humans. So what they do is they create, literally, their own versions of these big blue creatures, an imprint on them. So in essence, it is truly an avatar. It is a projection of you. You are lying in basically suspended animation, controlling this thing that is running around and talking to the natives and trying to get them to see things from the human perspective. Jake, listen to me. You're not used to your avatar body. This is dangerous. This is great. There you go. Just summarized avatar. And obviously the locals don't particularly like this uh, intrusion. You should teach me. Sky people cannot learn you do not see. <laughs> then teach me how to see. And Jake Sully, who is this sort of ex-marine who, nice twist, basically he had an accident and his brother, his twin brother, was meant to be the Avatar. He's a great scientist, amazing, la la la. These Avatars are hugely expensive. Obviously it takes time for them to create them. And because his brother has sadly died, we never see his brother. It's like, hey, Jake, this is actually good for you. It's sort of synced to your DNA. You may be a now disabled Marine, but could you please do this mission? We'll pay you very well. So you've got a guy who, once he's in the Avatar, suddenly he's got the use of his legs again. So there's that element as well. So there's a parable about 
disability, which is quite nice, and a parable about the environment and showing about how human beings are bad with the environment. This isn't exactly rocket science in terms of story, but it's something to hang things off. And funnily enough, Jake kind of goes native. He sees things more from the native perspective rather than the human perspective, and various action sequences and battles proceed after that. That's Avatar, okay? Now, about ten years later, in both real time and in the time of the movie, Jake is now got a family, he's got Zoe Saldana is his wife. There was a time when she was best known for playing in Avatar a blue person, then she's a green person in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, will Zoe Saldana ever get a chance to just be her normal colour? I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. (laughs) Why does she have to keep playing various different coloured blue, green, etc.? Is she gonna play red at some point? Who knows? But anyway, anyway, I've been going on for too long about this. The point is, they've now got a family, Jake is fighting, the humans have come back again, and now they're sort of settling permanently, things are clearly not going very well on planet Earth, and so he sets up a rebellion. I'm a warrior like you, I'm supposed to fight. He's a bit too good at it, the humans throw everything they've got at him, so he needs to now get out of the Na'vi forest area, and he needs to go to the shoreline and meet these other people to stay well away from the humans, and that is how he learns... The way of water. Now, for the record, I'm saying in a slightly facetious way, but if you really want to see a great review of this where somebody goes way off, Mark Commode is just one of Britain's great national institutions. He tells it like it is. He's a great reviewer in the fact that he will talk about an indie movie that's all about character driven and and give its credit where credit is due but then he'll also watch a big budget spectacle movie and you know he will critique it in the sense of you know it's a great roller coaster ride or you know this is just a soulless cgi puff piece or whatever he will tell it like it is i really like his stuff but he reacted badly to way of water and i'm really hoping that greg puts in some of his descriptions here. In teaching the children to fish in the waters of Pandora. Anyway, Does anyone in the film talk like that? In my yeah. head, they all talk like that. I'm not going to try and do what he does, OK? And then they go down in the water. And then befriending a big whale-like thing that's got one of his uh, flippers has been damaged by oh, no. bad things. So it's free willy in space. So... The problem with Way of Water is very simple. It is way too long. It is, once again, like Avatar, technical masterpiece. You will never see better CGI in the cinema for until probably he makes the next one, which, for the record, he's already done the principal photography of. But it's, it's just too long. It's just way too long. Now, to explain the plot of the second one, I've just sort of given you the overview, but like any good movie or story there has to be an an underlying point to it all so let's see if you can follow this it is a little complicated and i apologize but then again the runtime is three hours and 12 minutes so the environment is good now stay with me here okay because this is where it gets tricky because the the other thing that's going on is war is bad can you repeat the part of this stuff where you said all about the things The environment is good. War is bad. 
Now, I do apologise that I might well have lost you with the complexity. Oh, I'm a bit like, obviously, clearly being horrifically facetious. It doesn't need three hours, 12 minutes. Like I say, it's always beautiful. It's always great. It's like Aliens meets Blue Planet, which are kind of two things James Cameron loves, okay? But this is an example of somebody who has become so powerful, there is nobody there to sense check him. They're clearly in the middle of this is about an hour that could have been cut out. Kate Winslet's in it. She did some free diving exercises. So Tom Cruise does his own stunts. And in one of the Mission Impossibles, he learned to sort of control his breath without an aqualung. And he was able to hold his breath for six minutes, which is amazing. You try holding your breath in the in the bath or something, you'll realize... It gets difficult after a minute. So to get to six minutes is amazing. You know, the actual Olympic sort of winners of this kind of stuff, not that there's an Olympic in sort of like free diving, is things like it's sort of more closer to like 12 minutes. It's it's staggering what these human beings can do. Kate Winslet was able to beat Tom Cruise. She managed to get to seven minutes. Well done her. There's nothing in this movie to indicate that she needed to do that. Now, I appreciate she's going to be in some other movies. And James Cameron absolutely wants his his teams his actors to really live the movie whatever the movie might actually be and maybe that helped but her character is so base drawn and this is the problem with, with jake i gave you the most interesting things about him but to hold that on sam worthington's shoulders for like two and a half hours in the first movie and three hours this time around he's not interesting enough to be that kind of character he's just he's a jarhead to use his own phrase and and it's like yeah, you can have a Marine, but a, a Marine that sort of understands these certain things, eh, whatever. Look, this is not... You haven't tuned in for a review of Avatar. So as I've pointed out that this is James Cameron, I want to sort of take you through his filmography, shall we like. So, starts off in 1981 with, and it's quite often misread out, actually, or, or, or misremembered. It's actually called Piranha Part 2, The Spawning not Piranha 2, okay, which is a terrible sort of teenage slasher flick type movie. Sleek, fierce, savage, deadly, the Piranha. In the words of James Cameron with his tongue firmly in his cheek, it is the best movie about flying piranhas there has ever been. I guess he's right, but he knows it's garbage. But the point is it got him onto the scene. So that was 81. Is 1984's The Terminator. Again, very low budget and still basically a horror film. I encourage you to go back to it. Its structure and style is like Halloween or Friday the 13th, but with a veneer not of magic, but of science fiction on it as well. Schwarzenegger is that kind of Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers of the movie just will not stop is kind of unkillable except we understand why because he's a cyborg okay i need your clothes your boots and your motorcycle <laughs> it is an amazing film and a film that does so much with such little budget schwarzenegger himself makes no sense if this if this is an infiltration unit designed to sort of like blend in with the rest of society why would you pick a six foot something bodybuilder with a thick Austrian accent. He doesn't blend in at all, but he looks like a tank. He looks unstoppable, and that's the point. So that was 84. So while 
Cameron was actually getting the storyboarding of this together, he was also pitching for the sequel for Alien. So from the point of view of Fox that, that owned the rights to Alien, this guy had only directed Piranha Part 2 The Spawning, but they were so impressed by his storyboarding of Terminator, they saw a great director in front of them. Also, allegedly, what Cameron did is he walked up to, there was basically a blackboard, and he wrote the word alien, and then he just added the word S to the end, and then put two lines for it, like the dollar sign, aliens. And that was also sort of what sold them on it. And again, in, so in 84, we get Terminator. In 86, we get Aliens. And Aliens is one of these things where we, it's in the discussion of, is the sequel better than the original? Now, actually, the great thing about both Alien and Aliens is they are both five-star films, but they're very different five-star films. You know, one's an out-and-out -out horror movie, and the other one's a kind of sci-fi action movie. The tagline for it was, this time it's war. So that's Aliens in, in 86, then in 89, perhaps his less known or less well-loved movie, The Abyss. But The Abyss is really important because it wasn't the first thing to have the kind of CGI in it. That was actually the movie Willow. But it was the first thing to have a CGI of an actual human face in a movie. So that's really important. It's kind of like this water probe ruled by the aliens that like interacts with the humans in the movie, which, considering this is from 89, it still holds up. I'm not saying it's the best thing ever, but it still looks pretty good because they made sure that the lighting was in the right place and every time they used the shots around the CGI, everything was set up for the CGI. Whereas nowadays, people, you know, will shoot something and then hope that it can be, in inverted commas, fixed in post afterwards when sometimes the lighting's all wrong, the setup's all wrong, and that's why sometimes the CGI can look janky. The other reason why CGI can look janky is time. I have actually spoken to some people who deal with like post-production special effects, and they said, the problem is everybody wants Jurassic Park yesterday for $50,000. And it's like, none, none of that's possible. You know, can we make Jurassic Park? Yeah, it's going to take longer than yesterday. And also, we need a bigger budget than 50000 so, yeah, so generally never criticize people doing special effects because the CGI since the late 80s has been pretty good, but the problem is actually with budget, production, the schedules, and so on and so forth. Don't get cheap on me, Dodson. That was Hammond's mistake. <laughs> so that's 89. So the thing about the Abyss is it's all set on these sort of submarines and sort of uh, underwater base. It's right at the bottom of the ocean, although then they go to the Marianas Trench, and... This is where Cameron's really in his element because he's always loved the deep, and I mean deep sea. He's one of the few people to have actually been to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, the most deep part of any ocean on planet Earth. It's sort of nearish Japan. To give you an idea, if you took Mount Everest and chucked Mount Everest from base to tip into the Marianas Trench, the actual Mount Everest wouldn't get sticking out the bottom of the Marianas Trench, and then you still got the water from the sea floor up to the surface. It's very super deep. So to create that, what they did is they actually had a never-used nuclear reactor so it could contain huge amounts of water. They then had lots of plastic beads over the surface to cut out all the light, and people were using scuba gear, and they were filming underwater for months for that kind of like what he was doing with Avatar. More on that in a moment. 
So that was 89, then in 91 we get Terminator 2. I'm back. Again, an absolute classic here, which is the point at which I can start saying the same argument keeps being used against James Cameron and it keeps not working. But just before that, I'm going to say this is another example of you've got a great original movie and then you've got a sequel where it's like, oh my goodness, is the sequel actually better than this great original movie? And a sign of how good James Cameron is as a filmmaker. On this occasion, he obviously made both. Now, what was the controversy? Well, this was one of the first movies that cost more than $100 million to make. What's the big deal, Jim? It was a huge hit. Yeah, but you're looking at it with hindsight, because the argument at the time, which kind of made sense until the movie came out, is how can you justify a man to be given more than $100 million when the original cost only $4 million and grossed, in total, less than $100 million? That sounds like financial insanity, okay? And I guess it did, but people clearly believed in Cameron enough, and obviously the rest of they say is history. What comes out is a stone-cold classic and a huge box office hit. So that was 91. Then, 94, he sticks with Arnold Schwarzenegger and does True Lies. I'm not going to sort of go into that in, in any more depth. And so you can see that kind of every sort of three, four years, he's bringing out a movie. He's, he's producing movies at the same speed as most Hollywood filmmakers, okay? For the record, Cameron's actually Canadian. But then in 97, we get Titanic. And again, just like Terminator 2, we have the same argument. This is the first movie that costs more than $200 million. And it's like, this is insane. You know, they're filming it in Mexico on half of. The way they sort of save money is they mocked up half of the Titanic and basically, uh, and it's slightly shorter than the real Titanic. So it's not quite one-to-one -one scale. It's very slightly less, but it's still a massive thing with water around it. Oh, Jem, so how did they shoot the other side? Well, the attention to detail was such that he would get the actors to wear... So, like, if you were one of the sailors which had Titanic on your hat, they would literally give them a Titanic backwards on the hat, and then they would film the scene and reverse the shot so it looked like they were on the other side of the ship, and, of course, the lettering on the, on the cap would be the right way round. Genius! You know, this is amazing. But, you know, there were lots of delays with it. It was hugely expensive. There was a point at which they, the crew will get poisoned. Somebody, I don't know, for a joke or maliciously laced the food for all the crew, cast and crew, with, I think it was PCP, a dangerous drug. It, it was a nightmare to do. Obviously, Kate Winslet was in that as well. And again, when it came out, it was nearly three hours and, and people saying this is long we all know what happens to the titanic this is hugely expensive how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This has got out-of-control ego written all over it. This is going to be Cameron's undoing. And it was the single biggest grossing movie of all time. But then Cameron goes quiet for 12 years. Because it isn't until 2009 that we get Avatar. Now, in that time, again, he spends hundreds of millions. He's sort of saying to people, this is going to be, this is going to bring 3D back. Now, 3D was a thing that happened in the 1950s. You had those sort of silly glasses on, one green, one red. It was quite often associated with sort of gimmicky horror movies, schlock kind of B-movie stuff. It's like, so what, he's spending more money than ever before on a movie? He's going to create a whole new digital world? And we're all going to start have to see it in 3D? And, and 3D's literally being put into cinema so that people can see this thing called Avatar? Nobody's ever heard of it. When you're looking at 2009, by then, you've got things like you're in the middle of the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy. The MCU has kicked off. People are starting to say, well, hang on, you, you kind of need an established IP to spend $300 million on a movie. Nobody knows what an avatar is. And again, everybody was completely wrong. As I said, the rest is history. And it did kick off the whole 3D thing again. So... When it comes to Avatar Way of Water and people start complaining, this is hugely expensive, it's much delayed, 
oh, you know, this is just ego gone mad. I'm going to turn around and say, look at what's been going on since 1991. Spot the pattern, people. For 20 years, we've been saying that this guy is going to make a huge flop and it's not going to work. And I don't think Avatar Way of Water is going... It's got its flaws. It is way too long. It is not a particularly interesting story. But it, again, like the original Avatar, it just takes you somewhere. And the way the world has been recently... Do you know what? Going away to sunny beaches on an alien planet and seeing sights that you could never see with your own two eyes, with the crispest, sharpest photography ever for an imaginary world... I can see why people are going back and watching it. And the thing about Avatar was it didn't open to the biggest opening of all time. Just people kept going back and back and back. And Avatar has plenty of time, or Avatar 2, I should say, has plenty of time to make its money back because at the moment there isn't a big MCU movie or big sci-fi movie trying to open up anywhere near Avatar Way of Water, largely because I think the other studios were worried about it going when it's coming out. That's that's clearly a thing. The other thing that's worth pointing out is, as I said, this has been in, in the pipeline for quite some time. Principal photography for Avatar Way of Water was done apparently in 2017. And what Cameron's been doing is kind of back to back. He's been filming a bunch of these films. Number three is already, the principal photography is done, obviously. For the special effects and things like that, that's going to take time. But they're clearly in the middle of all of that, which is why that's coming out in only two years' time, rather than another 13. Avatar 4, they're apparently halfway through filming. Cameron wants to make five of them. But in the words of my eldest son, when we walked out after the two of us saw, saw Avatar Way of Water, he went, how can he possibly have five films worth of something to say when that was almost the same as the first one? Which I absolutely take. You know, Cameron, I'm a huge fan. Hopefully I've proved to you I'm a huge fan. I'm on your side. I'm telling you right now, there is nobody out there that thinks that Way of Water is the right length. I get some people saying I hate long movies. I absolutely push back on that. A movie should be as long as it needs to be. So if it's something like a John Wick, which is basically Keanu Reeves punches people in really interesting ways. It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. Throughout the movie, that can't be three hours, okay? You will get bored of it, but make it a nice, tight 90, 100 minutes. Fine, yeah, that works fine for John Wick. But then you get the Lord of the Rings extended cuts. Return of the King is more than four hours long. But there's a lot going on in that movie. I'm not sitting there going, oh, this is full of filler. Not at all. But, as I said, the story is not complex enough. If it was tightened down to a two-hour film and we lost some stuff like, you know, the backstory of a whale, I'm not making that up, by the way, and so we've got the, the really impressive action scenes in it, and, you know, there's a little bit of background and enough time for us to see some sort of beautiful stuff underwater or under virtual water, I'm not sure, then, yeah, that, that would make complete sense to me, and it's sort of like this, this probably would be better reviewed, but there's, I'm going to say there's easily an hour that could be carved out of this, and you're not going to lose anything of note apart from more pretty pictures. The other thing I want to say before I get into... Actually, do you know what? I'm going to do the dark bit of history, and then I'm going to finish on perhaps a, a lighter note, okay? So, let's move into history time. And clearly, the idea of 
more technologically advanced peoples coming in and sort of denuding the local area and bullying the natives. I remember in the first movie, this was laid on so thick that I sit in the guy, this this is just, this is so preachy. Oh, this would never happen. And as I was thinking of that, it's like, nope, that literally happens every time. A more technologically advanced civilization meets a less technologically advanced one. And if we're willing to do that to our fellow humans, of course we're going to do it to weird blue cat people on another planet. So, Cameron, I absolutely take your point on that one. And so this isn't me talking about just sort of white men dealing with people of colour and things like that, because it does happen the other way around. But there's no doubt, more often than not, just because of quirks of history, Europe tended to move ahead in terms of technology. So when it arrived in Africa or when it arrived in the Americas, bad things happened. Simple as that. Putting aside all the illnesses, etc. So... Perhaps the sort of like best known one of these are the conquistadors. People from the Iberian Peninsula, Pizarro and Vasquez, perhaps being the two most notable ones, going into the Aztec Empire and going into the Inca Empire in in sort of Peru area down south in South America. It is worth pointing out that both the Azteca and the Inca neither of them were just a people. They were empires, and these people were quite brutal with other populations and that's worth remembering that if you like montezuma or moctezuma of the aztecs was not the good guy what he was was a dictator like julius caesar or somebody like that running the show in modern day mexico but obviously what happened to him and his people make him feel like he was the good guy And there's no doubt that we can talk about the conquistadors being very much the bad guys, okay? Are we the baddies? So, what it, you know, it's it's remarkable, quite frankly, what happened with both sets of conquistadors, both in South America and in Central America, in that we're talking about hundreds of men facing off against thousands of warriors. But they've got gunpowder, they've got steel helmets and breastplates, they've got cannons. And also, particularly compared to the Aztecs, in in Europe, you fought a war to fight a war. If you're swinging your sword or firing your musket at the guy opposite you, it's to kill. That's the idea. Whereas, there were these flower wars in, in the Aztec community, which was actually more of a ritual dance with sort of almost like a sport, a contact sport. But the idea was that the losing side would be made slaves. And yes, this is something worth remembering. The Aztecs did carry out human sacrifice. Huge debate as to exactly how much. There's a pretty good argument that the Catholic Christians from Spain would have exaggerated how much was going on to make them more barbarous and therefore justify their actions even more so. But there is absolutely archaeological evidence of human sacrifice. Blood was an important part of ritual and sacral events in Central America. Imagine if that had still caught on, you know. It's, it's Christmas time, everybody. Let's get a poor person and murder them in front of the children. I never thought it would end this way. Gunned down by Santa Claus. You know, just putting it into a modern context is like, wow. And we feel sorry for them. But yeah, they had their own culture and the other people came crashing in and just murdered as many people as they could and plundered and destroyed a whole civilization. It's the most mismatched 
most outnumbered event that led to victory in world history. And yes, so that's an example. And, and the thing about the Spanish Empire is it very much just denuded the resources. When people start talking about empires, people sort of pretend that they all had the same level of ethics. We, if you want to argue that no, no empire was good, I hear you, okay? That's a pretty good argument, all right? But to sort of say that the Third Reich was the same as the British Empire, it's like, no, the British didn't go around ethnically cleansing people. Oh, yeah, but what about this one? You look, again, this is why empires aren't generally considered good. Every empire has some blood on its hands, but who's got the most? It's, you know, Spain's probably up there, along with the Mongols. Now, the Nazis really went for it, for the record, but they didn't actually exist for very long in the terms of history. Spain ruled Mexico for centuries. That is plenty of time to create slaves, make the local population, you know, work in mines and so on and so forth. It's it's not a good look. And it was the same thing in South America as well. And Brazil, you know, loves to sort of talk about it is the most multicultural, most multi-ethnic varied country in the world, which is why there are so many different sort of like colors going on on the on the flag. But that's actually kind of recent. For a long time in Brazil, there was sort of this sort of shame of the darker colored peoples because they were definitely linked to the African slave trade. And so that is a whole complicated ethnic conversation to be going on there, which is absolutely a hangover from a previous empire. So if you want to start talking about environment good, war bad, there's plenty of evidence of that in real actual history. I want to go back to the original Avatar now and link it to history. One of the reviews sort of said, well, you do realize this is a very high-budget Fern Gully, which, if you look at the, the basic story of Fern Gully, it's like, yeah, yeah, that kid's animation clearly had a had a had an element of influence on James Cameron. But my favorite review was, this is just Dances with Smurfs. La, 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 sing a happy song. That's a brilliant summary in the original Avatar. So Dances with Wolves, if you don't know, came out in 1990, stars Kevin Costner, and it's a brilliant movie about an American officer from the Union Army. The beginning of it, you see that he is fighting in the Civil War, and then after injury, he's allowed a posting anywhere, and he goes to modern-day Colorado, and he wants to go to a fort there. He goes, I want to see the frontier before the frontier goes. I've always wanted to see the frontier. You want to see the frontier? Yes, sir. Before it's gone. And, just like I described with Jake Sully, what happens is Costner turns up, and, well, Lieutenant Dunbar is his name, he turns up, and he starts talking to the local natives, and he then falls in love with one of them, although she's actually been a captured white person. But basically, he sees the merit in their society compared to the horrible death and destruction associated with, in inverted commas, civilised Western society. So, it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Dances with Wolves doesn't get as much love as it should. It's got a searing score. It's got... It's just an amazing story. 
It is impeccably shot. It's brilliantly acted. A little bit of fun for you that the Native American that they're speaking actually in the situation, because there are loads of different Native American languages and some of them are extremely complex. So you've got entirely different grammar for like men and women and not everybody of Native American origin in the film could speak it. So they basically had a slightly slimmed down one and you've got all these men using the female version of the language because it's just more straightforward for everybody to basically say the same thing. But it is grammatically and, and genderly incorrect on that one but that's just a brief aside it's an amazing film there is like i've talked about long movies there is an extended cut of it which tells you more about why dunbar turns up to a deserted fort originally it is loosely based on some real history i would thoroughly recommend you see that and so i talked about central america and south america but north america is again an example where you have this industrialization pushing to the very periphery the original indigenous peoples. I feel also obliged to say, you know, to, to put the British Empire back on the hook again, you know, the way they treated the Aboriginal First Nations peoples. I, I want to get it right. I'm not trying to offend anybody with the with the term. I, I've forgotten whether Aboriginal is acceptable or unacceptable, and I apologise if it is unacceptable. Just take the point that I'm trying to do the right thing here. These native peoples of Australia and Tasmania. These peoples were absolutely, I mean, they were very much back at the hunter-gatherer stage, similar in essence to the Native Americans. There was no metalworking, for example, and they weren't densely populated because of the aggressive environment of, of Australia, but they were absolutely treated as subhuman by the white settlers. So, this is something that Avatar's absolutely got right. It's absolutely a blight on, on world history that this is what happens pretty much every time high technology meets low technology. Sorry about that. And so, yes, I just want to put it out there that that, that is a pretty accurate depiction there. But then I want to finish on some fun, people, so I don't sort of like leave you reeling or sort of swooning or whatever. But I'm going to say that Avatar Way of Water is, in a weird way, the most James Cameron James Cameron movie ever. And what do I mean by that? Because in some ways, there is every one of his films in this movie. What do I mean by that? So basically, let me go... i tell you what, the best thing to do is to go through the, the movies. So with Piranha, and I'm also going to put in here Titanic as well, You've got this, his love of water, and the abyss, obviously. So that you've got all three of those. There's this, his love of water and the underwater. He genuinely, as a human being, is just captivated by it. And he's trying to get us to be as captivated by it as well. And he does a very good job. Problem is, he spends too much time doing it. But yeah, like I say, I'm sold, James, okay? So then we've got the look and layout of the tech of the humans, which is very aliens, and you could say Terminator as well in there too. Indeed, to now bring in Titanic, the moment I saw, mild spoiler, which believe me, you can see a mile off, and, and this is what I'm going to say, the moment a high-tech water-based ship, human, big sort of human, it's almost like an aircraft carrier, sort of like hoves into view, it's actually a kind of whaling ship, the moment that hoved into view, I thought, that's going to start sinking 
probably towards the end of this movie because Cameron loves a good sinking bit of tech. Look, this ship can't sink. She's made of iron, sir. I assure you, she can. Be it the Titanic, be it in the Abyss, and... Yeah, that's exactly what happens in Avatar Way of Water. I'm not going to say who's on it. I'm not going to say why. I'm not going to say who lives, who dies, etc. Okay, but it's sort of like, of course he's going to have corridors filling up with water and, and make his cast and crew sort of like get submerged in sort of like slightly dangerous scenarios because that's he loves doing that kind of stuff. There's fire on the water, which is something that happens in True Lies. Now, what's interesting is in True Lies, Arnold Schwarzenegger swims under because anything burning on, if oil is burning on the surface of water, well, it can't be burning like three feet under the water, can it? It might make that water slightly warmer, but only slightly. It's not going to make it like boiling or anything like that. It'll take a lot of energy to heat up water. So Schwarzenegger swims underneath it. It's a beautiful shot from True Lies. But he forgot that because there's a lot of key people in this movie that can definitely swim and dive that that sort of see the fire on the water as some impassable barrier and, and so they sort of like give up. So there you go. He's being slightly inconsistent with his view of fire on water there. And then, of course, he is continuing the story of Avatar. So, like I say, I've just pointed out how when you put all of this together... It actually, it's got a bit of every single one of his films. I've heard some reviewers sort of say that the the big sort of uh, climactic fight is is kind of like Cameron's greatest hits. And I would agree. And if they're saying that in a bad way, shame on you. Cameron is one of the best action directors ever. And what you're getting is something which he's very comfortable with. He's never repeating, but instead it's sort of, it's like action jazz he's taken the original notes and he's mixed them up and he's made something different and as i say avatar way of water is never less than spectacular when the action happens the action is always excellently shot framed it's got the right level of tempo to it it's a really good film that unfortunately goes on too long but it doesn't peter out it has a very strong ending the sag is in the middle hour hour and 20 minutes but at the time i guess you don't mind too much because it's very very pretty and please look if by the time you hear this you have an opportunity to stream avatar way of water on your phone don't it's not meant like something like top gun maverick this is meant to be seen on a large screen or at least on a large high def screen at home on tv just sort of like catching 10 minutes of it on the train you know, on you know, as you're balancing it next to your croissant and coffee, you're missing the point of what this movie does and what it's capable of. So, a flawed masterpiece from a master film director. I can't say I'm sitting here going, oh my god, what's going to happen in Avatar 3? Uh, I don't know what it's going to be. The era of Earth? We've had the forests. We've had... The water, I guess, is going to be underground next. It's going to be the caverns of Pandora. If it is called the Era of Earth, James, you need to talk to me about copyright on that one. Although that would be a terrible name for a movie. Although I'm not entirely sure Way of Water is particularly strong. Anyway, I really hope you like this one. I hope maybe I've inspired you to go back. I bet you haven't seen all of Cameron's previous works. I, I wouldn't bother with the Piranha one, by the way, but a lot of people haven't seen Abyss and True Lies, and I would recommend you watch those. 
you know, they're not exactly perfect. Abyss has a problem with, he clearly doesn't quite know how to wrap it up. He's got two different versions of it with two different endings. And that's not a good sign that he had a clear vision on that one. And True Lies does have some, you know, some stuff that hasn't aged too well on it, but it's got great action. It is one of, of Schwarzenegger's better action movies. And if you just sort of want to put your mind, put some of your ethics on hold for a moment, you can have a lot of fun with that one. If it's been a long time since you've seen the original Terminator, treat yourself. Anyway, that's it from me. Would love to get your thoughts, by the way, at Jem Daducci on Twitter. You can always grab me there. Thanks very much. And as always, another episode coming soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.